0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. And I want to talk to you about the promise of the Great Commission. And Key's um, A portrait, oh, the way I title this is a portrait of a healthy church. And so we're going to look at the Great Commission that Jesus um, gave us in Matthew 28 in just a second. Um, but I want to um, just say and just set our hearts in into place because... I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do some some good things today in, in, in our in our hearts. And so I want you just to set your heart in that place of just expectancy. And and the way that you do that is just saying anything that you desire. Holy Spirit, I'm I'm here. I'll listen, I'll receive, I'll take whatever you whatever you need to give me. i I want to receive it. Okay. All right. So in Matthew 28, Jesus gives um, basically, uh what would be in his parting discourse is right before he was about to ascend to heaven and um, and, and what we 're going to do as we go through this this morning is that i want to I want to teach through a couple of things, a couple of truths because we we may have heard this before, some of you might not that 's okay if you haven 't don 't worry it 's easy to catch on. But we, sometimes we read this or we've heard this and we just kind of pass through it. But Jesus is really um, giving and, and unpacking a lot of truth about who he is. That's important for us to understand. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, what we can receive is the revelation on how, what a healthy church looks like. And this is what I believe to be true about Freedom Christian Fellowship is that I believe and it's our desire to just increasingly grow in health. And that means that every one of us is walking in some of these truths that we will discuss today. All right. So if you have your Bibles, um, open them up to Matthew 28, verse 18. Matt, will you grab the whiteboard for me, please? Thank you, sir. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, then Jesus came to came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you until the end of the very age. All right. I'm going to need another gift from somebody. If somebody can run me up a a tissue here. We're just going to go back over this. No, this is. Oh, thanks, Kelly. I didn't even see him there. That's what I'm accused of is I asked my wife where stuff is in the house and it's literally right in front of me. You know, I can't I can't find it. Okay, so this week, something interesting happened to me is that I uh, I threw up for the first time in like seven years And here's what you guys, why are you guys laughing? I thought I was dying, all right? Here's what you got to understand, is that I would rather have a root canal without any Novocaine than throw up. (laughs) You guys are all laughing. (laughs) Some of you here are people who enjoy throwing up, like you don't enjoy it, but you're like, just get it out of me and I'll be fine. Me, I'm like, no, I'll wrestle with it on the inside. But don't come through my mouth and my nose. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm a pretty violent uh, thrower-upper. Hugging hugging the toilet. You know, uh, and my wife just hears me from the bathroom, babe, I threw up. I really, really, really wish she would have posted it on Facebook because because literally I don't ever throw up and and it felt like everybody should know about it. That's why I'm even telling you about that. Those kind of things change your life, you know. They shift. I'm I'm marking time now from this point that I threw up. Five days after I threw up, life looked like this. (laughs) Like the apocalypse happened. All right, but that's me. So this has been a very interesting week. Um, and, and, so, and so you're going you're gonna to get what you get. Don't throw a fit, all right? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus is giving the Great Commission here. And, and, and again, there's a lot of information to unpack here. And so I want to break this down and just, and just kind of teach us some things about these truths That if and pray as we hear this. Take notes and pray as we hear this that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. So the first thing is this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. A healthy church understands and lives in the authority given to them through Jesus Christ. A healthy church lives and understands, understands and lives in the authority that's been given to them through Jesus Christ. The very first thing that Jesus says in this, what we call the Great Commission discourse here, the, the words that he spoke, is this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, this is a statement that maybe some of us go, duh, he's God, of course he has all authority, but what Jesus is saying is actually, in a very real sense, restarting time. Because the truth is, it wasn't until creation, before Adam and Eve sinned, was there a unity between heaven and earth. And what Jesus is saying here is this, is that through the resurrection, through what I did at the cross, through the power of the resurrection, that there is again unity between heaven and earth. There is unity between heaven and earth. How do we know? Because all authority has been given to me in all of heaven and all of earth. And what that means, and what we're going to look at in just a second, I'm going to show you some scripture, is this, that as we are in Christ Jesus, when you come into Christ Jesus, you too sit in that place of authority. You know the heart of God. We live with our attention in our focus, or we should live with our attention in our focus focused on heaven. But I want to show you how this happens. I'm going to just run us through a couple of verses. I want us to go into John 10. Jesus is giving. His statement, and he's talking to a mixed crowd here. He's given a, um, a, a a talk, if you would, about him being the good shepherd. And in, and in John ten fourteen, and it goes all the way down through eighteen. Here is what we see: Jesus again is talking to a mixed group. He's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to his disciples. And, and after Jesus finishes this, they the disciples look at Jesus and and, and they. They 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 say that he's demon possessed because of what he's about to say. But what he says here is, is giving the, the precursor to what he says in Matthew twenty eight and what the New Testament tells us to be true and something that we need to have the revelation of. All right, and I want you to please please hear this. In John ten fourteen, it says, "I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me." Everybody, ba ba. All right, you're a sheep. God knows you. Jesus knows you. You know his voice. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now, okay, let's stop and let's think. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because what Jesus is doing is giving us the understanding of the realm of his authority. Now, listen, the devil was not paying attention at this point. In Jesus' ministry when he said this, because if he had paid attention the crucifixion, he would have fought hard against this. Because what Jesus is saying is this, hey friends, listen, it is not just your sin that sent Jesus to the cross. Yes, Jesus went to the cross to cover the debt of our sin, but the scripture tells us that Jesus chose to go to the cross. It is not the Jews or the Romans that crucified Jesus. It is Jesus who put himself on the cross. But he says this in John 10. He says this, is that I have the authority to put myself there, the authority to die, and the authority for resurrection. Nothing can hold me. There is not a realm on this earth. There is not a system on this earth that can hold me down. I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to pick it back up. (laughs) All right, that's good. That's really good. So Jesus is setting, He is setting the foundation. And so, again, think about Matthew 28 All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All right. He's doing this for our benefit. He's doing this for our benefit. There is something that Jesus wants you to know. All right, let's go into Ephesians really quick. 1, Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. Because I'm going to tell you what the gospel message is in just a second. Oh, man. How many of you love the Word of God? Oh, man, let's love the Word of God. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 says this. This is Paul writing. And he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Which he purposed in Christ. To be put in effect when the times of... When the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You see that? What the resurrection tells us is this. Is that where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, the authority in Christ does not just extend in heaven. We are not just looking at heaven as a faraway place. The revelation of what heaven is doing is not a distant thing that we will know one day. But what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying here is this, is that the revelation of heaven extends down into our personal lives that we might know what heaven is doing, that we would live in the revelation of resurrection power because we are in him. And he goes on, Paul goes on and says this, that that place of authority is seated all the way down where Jesus has placed his feet above all things. Why? Because he had to bring us into the unity of heaven that we might understand the full work of what the cross accomplished for us. This is the gospel. See, you can't live in that place from a distance. You can't live in the power of the gospel from a distance. It has to be alive. It has to be real. It has to be the revelation of heaven. The things that are going to cause you to accomplish what God has called you to, the things that will cause you to have hope, the things that will cause you to have healing, that will cause you to have life, exist in the place of the unity between heaven and earth. What Jesus is asking us to do is this, is to live on this earth with a heavenly mindset. That we have a greater revelation of heaven than we do of the things that we see on this earth. Now stop and think about that for just a second. Because I haven't even told you what the gospel is yet. Think about the things that you are facing. When I think about the things that I'm facing, when I think about the things that I have to hurdle in my life, What lens do I filter them through? What lens do I filter them through? When Jesus in Matthew 28 is giving the the Great Commission speech, and he starts off by saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, he is bringing us under this powerful truth of the revelation of the authority Jesus has given us. The challenge that Jesus is issuing to us is this, is that do you choose to see things through the the lens and the perception of this earth or do you look at them through the lens and the perception of heaven? Do you see them through the eyes of faith? Do you see them through the eyes of the Spirit? Do you see them through the hope of heaven? Or do you see them through the lens of what you are walking through? Do you see them through the terms of what you can't do? Do you see them through the terms of what is oppressing you? What's facing you? The impossibilities? Or do you see them through the lens of heaven? Now let's talk about what the gospel is in Ephesians one17 through 23 Everybody all right? Okay. All right. Here we go. Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. See, I believe this with all my heart, that God wants to raise up some men and women who are going to walk in the authority of this power in such a very amazing way that it's going to begin to shake their worlds around them. Now, I think that's what God wants to do at Freedom Christian Fellowship. Hmm. All right. So Ephesians 1, 17-23, this is the gospel. And this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the, the church in Ephesus. He says this, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you, this, give you the spirit of wisdom in revelation, that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The unity between heaven and earth. Nobody lays my life down. I lay my life down so that I will pick it back up. And seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all rule and authority. Power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. That's you. That's me. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now here is what the gospel is. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. This is why all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. This is why he is seated in heaven. We are placed in him and the authority of heaven lives in us. These three things that make up the gospel. The first thing that we see is this, that you may know him better. That you may know him better. That you may know him better. Think about this. Stop and think about this for just a second. That you would know the creator of the universe in an intimate way. That you would know the depth of the love of God. That you would know the richness of his heart towards you. That you would know that you are the apple of his eye. That you, are, you would know that there is nothing that will ever separate you from his love. That you will know that there is nothing that could ever remove his favor from your life. That you would know him better. Woo! Think about it. Think about it. It's an invitation. And the gospel is this, that God would never be far away through the perception of man again, but he would always be what he intended to be, the God who is near, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, he's restoring original intent. Friends, think, 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 think. When God created man, He didn't create them to watch His little playthings move around the earth. He created them in relationship. And the only thing that broke the revelation of relationship was a man's decision to sin. And the only thing that separates that revelation is sin. But through Jesus Christ, sin has been destroyed. And the first thing that God offers to us is an extended relationship so that we would know the fullness of who He is. Whew. Man. God, listen, is your friend. Hey, listen, that does not mean that everything God's going to say you're going to be down for. <laughs> Some of my best friends say, hey, get your stuff together. Give me a swift be- uh, boot in the, the backside. <laughs> but my friends also pick me up. And listen, God is not mad at you. Oh, mm, 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 mm. The enemy slipped in into religion a long, long way before all the denominations that we know a long time ago and bred into the heart of man that if you mess up, that you're out of God's love and his favor. Wow. Now I want to tell you something. Listen, if what Jesus said in John 10 is true, then Jesus did not go to the cross because he was mad at you. Jesus did not go to the cross because he was mad at sin. Jesus went to the cross so he could reconcile you to the heart of the Father. Sin was never an issue for Jesus. He solved that. It's done. That's why the scripture tells us that the full wrath of God toward man's disobedience was placed on Jesus Christ. It wasn't placed on you. You couldn't handle it. You could not live under it. So the revelation of the gospel is this, that you would know him better. And part of knowing him better is knowing his untiring, abounding love. Mm. All right, the next thing we see in the gospel is this. This is God's heart. He wants men to know him. He wants men to know him. Because when you know him, you will love him. When you know him, you're going to love him. Mm. The second thing is this, he wants you to know the hope to which he has called you. When you see this, this is what you read. Listen to the scripture in Ephesians that we just read. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. You have been called for a purpose. So here's the thing, is that the work of the cross and the blood of Jesus speaks Like we sang a better word, and this is the better word, is that sin no longer separates us. The sin issue has been solved. But just like, just like when the Hebrews left Egypt, there was a work, a process of redeeming them to their purpose. See, listen, I don't want to go too far, but let's connect some of the dots here because this has always been God's heart. This has been the consistency that we read throughout the Bible, this, this, this beautiful picture of love and covenant. Listen, Israel, the Hebrews were not called and created for captivity, but their own decisions led them there. That's what the scripture tells us about. That's why they spent 400 years in captivity in Egypt. But that's not what they were created for. That wasn't who they were. And when God liberated them through Moses and brought them out of slavery and they went into the wilderness, what happened was this, is that they needed to be physically set free. That the shackles that physically bound them had to be broken. And in the same way, this is the first work of grace in our life. Is that Jesus comes and he breaks the shackles of our sin, but it doesn't stop there. In order for the Hebrews to become Israel and to walk in the promise that God had created them for, they had to know that they were called to a hope. And that's the work of redemption. Because what redemption is, is this, is it takes us and doesn't just liberate us, but it brings us up to our rightful place. And this is what Paul writes here in Ephesians 1. And this is the heart of God. This is the gospel. This is why Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's because he has called you. There is a hope to your life. And it is not a hope attached to just the things of this world. But it is a hope attached to something so much deeper that brings you fulfillment and life. You are called by God to do something amazing. You are called by God to do something amazing. And when we step into that, as we understand that, as we learn that, as the Holy Spirit shows us that, and and I would contest this, is that most of us who are wondering, what is it, God, that you have called me to do? You probably know more than you realize because you see that, 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 that theme of hope that strings through you when your heart is moved a certain direction and you begin to light up. You begin to have joy. Oh, come on. Hmm. You are called to a hope. You are called to a hope. He has called you. That means this, that the old patterns of your life are broken. You are not the sum total of your, your, your ancestry's mistakes. I, got, I did, uh, did my DNA um, on Ancestry.com. I found out a lot about me. I thought I was one thing, but I'm, I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm a lot English, right? I got some, uh, some Irish in me. I'm 1% Jew. True, true story. Yeah, you know, hey, look at that. Who would thought that? But then all of a sudden, my kids make fun of me. They're like, Dad, you're, you're really harping on that 1% too much. <laughs> you know, that's what I like. <laughs> you know that on those things, just a side note, all right, got make sure I'm right. my time, is that they'll update them, like, and some of my stuff has changed, I'm like, what, am I, am I evolving, like, what's happening, I'm coming from all over now, they're adding places, and they're like, no, it's not you, it's us, we're updating our database, but every once in a while, I get a, a, a little mark that says, this person is related to you, <laughs> and I always look at them, I want to see if they look like me, do you look like me? And I check it out. And I'm like, wow, what did that person do? I've never heard of this person. And they're like, they break it down. Like, I mean, you guys know, some of you have done it before, right? And so, like, you can have this chain of people that are third and fourth removed, and, like, they'll give you percentages of how connected you are in with them. I'm like, that is crazy. But, you know, the reality is, in a lot of ways, what happens in our life is that we begin to live our life in accordance with the biological pattern of how we grew up. And some of you, that may be great. Some of you might come from a rich uh, heritage of faith. But some of you might come from a mess. (laughs) Some of you might come from a place where it has been bad. It's been bad. You've been like, no good, no good, no good, no good, no good, right? Long line of no good. Well, the good news is this. The good news is this. In Christ Jesus, and this is the message of the gospel, to think about this. All authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. You have been brought into a new family line. And whatever it was that held you back in the past because of whatever happened with dad, mom, grandma, great grandma, whatever. They were bootleggers and fornicators. I don't care. I don't care. In Jesus Christ, that is not who you are. You have been called to a hope. You have been called to a hope. You have been called to a hope. All right. The last thing is this. This is the gospel. That we would know the incomparably great power for us who believe. That we would walk in the revelation of the power of God. And what this means is this, is that you have to understand, you have to begin to ask the Holy Spirit for a revelation that when you are seated in Christ Jesus, when you are listening to the shepherd and doing what the shepherd says, that you are unstoppable. Some of you go, well, that sounds pretty far out there. No, listen, because you got to hear again what Paul says in this prayer, because he's praying He's not just writing them good words. He's praying from his spirit. He's saying, God, I want them to know something. I want them to know the fullness of the resurrection. I want them to know, Jesus, what you said in Matthew 28, that all authority has been given to you in heaven and on earth. I want them to understand this, that when they are in you, that they are an unstoppable force because of what you have done, Jesus. And he goes and he he capitalizes, he puts a punctuation on this truth of the incomparably great power for us who believe to understand this revelation by telling us again what Jesus did. When Jesus rose from the dead, that he was seated at the right hand in heavenly realms. Now, here's the thing. I want you guys, listen, please, 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 please get this because as Paul praises prayer about Jesus Christ he is saying this is also Ephesus this is also Freedom Christian fellowship this is also Andy where you are seated and this will change your life you're seated at the right hand in heavenly realms far above all authority power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And that is every demonic hierarchy, that is every system of the world, that is everything that you could possibly think that would ever try to work against you to defeat hope in your life. And what Paul is praying, the revelation of the gospel is this, is the power in which Jesus is seated, you are seated to. God has placed all things under his feet and appointed for him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. That's you, all right. So what does this mean? Just very simply, that the greater one, greater than the world, lives in you. 1 John 4, 4 says this, just, just jot this down. You dear children are from God and overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. It also means that it's possible to live differently in this world. To live for the purposes of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Write it down. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It also means that the message of the gospel is life to all who hear it. It's life to all who hear it. All right. We're going to keep going. That was just one thing. We just, we just did the first, first little bit of Matthew 28. Let's keep going. We'll see how far we get, and I'll stop if I need to. All right. A healthy church. This is the second thing. A healthy church is moving, searching, looking to connect people. To Christ Jesus. A healthy church is moving, searching, looking to connect people to Jesus Christ. The second thing that Jesus said in this discourse in Matthew 28 He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I just want to say this very simply but very powerfully because we're coming into a season in our church where we choose to be in outreach. That Outreach that we're doing on December 8th is going to be on a Sunday morning. So we're not having church. We're going to be this place again. If you haven't been a part of our church that long and you've never experienced one of these. uh, This place will be transformed. It won't look this way. Did you say, can we say who we're doing this for? Did you say? We partnered with um, the high school. uh, In their special needs program. And. Listen, I want, to, I want to tell you this. I don't, want to, I don't want to embellish this story. I don't want to make it more than it is. But this is something that I want to tell you. This is amazing. We got wonderful people that work with special needs um, in, in our school districts that go to our church. It's great. But we were sitting around. We thought of this idea. And we, Chris, our youth pastor, Kim, we went and made contact with, with P&G. And every year at P&G, there was a lawyer from uh, Houston who would have this, the special education departments from the area, he would, at the Elegante, would, would go and rent it out, and they would have a, a banquet for him, and then they would give them gift cards to Walmart, and take them to Walmart and let them go shopping. It was an amazing thing, generous man. That man passed away, and this is the first year that they don't have anything, and so when they went to go talk to them, they were like, you know what, there's nothing, so... This may work. And we began to explain our heart and what we do. And we would like to have a party for these these, these students and their families. And they got excited. I want to tell you something that this is an amazing opportunity for us to begin to reach out and to, to look for people who are maybe detached or disenfranchised or, or, or different, and, and to begin to share the message of the gospel, the love of Jesus to them. Because this is really just a key part of who and what Jesus said. Go and make disciples of all nations. The gospel, which is the mission of the church, is the power that we just talked about. It cannot happen without Go. Come on, that was a little bit better than. You can't have the gospel without go. You can't have the gospel without go. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 28 go into all the nations and make disciples. Disciples means to teach one. To teach what? To teach the the, the impact of the gospel, the message of the gospel that we just talked about. His resurrection, his grace, his hope. But the reality is this. When Jesus uses the word disciple, it means more than just a simple message. And this is something that we have to wake up to in the church. And And again, please hear this. Hear this in my heart is that the gospel is it is important for the gospel to be declared and every time somebody makes a decision to receive Jesus I believe it is true and it is good but to make a disciple what it requires is this time 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 wrestling and growing and stretching and learning to go through questions, to answer the cares and the concerns of somebody's heart. When you think about the ministry of Jesus, think about how long Jesus suffered with the disciples. They didn't even really get it after three years. And he taught them. And he spoke to them, and he spoke to them in how they could understand, but they wrestled with it, and it was time. And and can I just make a plug for our small groups really quick? Because this is what this is, and why small groups are important. They're important because that when we get into those environments, what happens is that we learn to... Go through some of these things in the word. And we begin to stretch. And we begin to grow. And we begin to learn together. And this is what it means to be a disciple. Also, discipleship involves relationship and community. And Jesus understood this. This is why this is important. But also why small group is important. Because we grow in the context of relationship. We grow in the context of community. I would even offer to you that those of you who are passionate about spiritual gifts, which in this church we believe that to be true. We love those things. Many of you last week received um, uh, what we would call a prophetic word from God. When at the end of service, some of you had left, but some of you that came up, you received that. And these are important, but these things happen even better in the context of small group ministry where there's relationship, where there's knowledge of one another, where there can be heart in ministry. And it equips us to be ministers. And this is the whole purpose. When you look at the way Jesus led his disciples, he would teach them and release them. Teach them and release them. Why? Because he was giving them time to stretch out their legs. And this is what I believe it means to be a disciple. But he says this also, to go into all the nations... What does that mean? It means that we have to look for those who have not heard. Probably the most appropriate understanding of this comes from Acts 1.8. This is at the ascension as Jesus is ascending into heaven. And he says as he's literally floating away. I love this picture in my mind. I don't know why that makes me giggle all the time, but. You just see, number one, somebody floating away, which is just honestly amazing. But you also saw him, you know, be raised from the the grave there. So that's that's huge, too. But as Jesus is floating away, he says these words trying to get you to smile a little bit. Let's see a little bit of sign of life here. He says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, close. That's where they lived. That's what they were familiar with, again, which was probably the easiest at different points in times. He said, "You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, a little bit further out. Samaria, don't, we don't like Samaria, Jesus. Samaritans and and Jews don't get along. We don't don't care for them. And to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is saying here is this, is that I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to call you into all nations. Now here's what's important to understand is that this word witness here means martyr. That's challenging. But it doesn't just mean somebody who is willing to die for their faith, but one who is dead to themselves. And see, you can't and we can't be and live in the fullness of the Great Commission and the power of the gospel in our lives if we are not dead to ourselves. because what happens when we're dead to ourselves is that we don't restrict ourselves from going because of a situation or because it's difficult or because we don't agree or because they don't look like us or because they're different from us. All right. Smile at me. Everybody smile. I was talking with Pastor Ronald and he was asking me. Saying about this area, I was explaining to him that, you know, about our area. And here's a guy, again, I hope you caught this last week. Who embodies this idea of saying that when God calls you to go, it's not going to be necessarily where you might want to go or who you want to go to. And the term "Gypsy" in Europe is a is a dirty word. They're an unloved, unwelcome group of people. But when God called him to go, he didn't say, "God, but it's not it's not Jerusalem. It's not what I'm comfortable with. I may be okay to go to Judea, I, I, you know, Samaria. That's uh, but the uttermost parts of the earth." And that's the thing. Is that the nature of the gospel, and that doesn't mean that you're going to be the one going, and I'm not insinuating this, but here's what I'm saying, is that there has to be a place in your heart where you love and you pray, and if God said to go, you would be willing to go, because this is the nature of the gospel. Oh, this is challenging sometimes to us. It confronts our senses and what we What we like and sometimes what we're comfortable with. But when we connect these truths. Here's what we walk away with. If a healthy church is moving, searching, looking to connect people to Jesus, then here's what we do. And here's what we keep our eyes on. We understand that we have to go. Because if we don't go, the gospel doesn't happen. If we don't go, the gospel doesn't happen. Think about the people in your life right now. Think about the people that you see every day. What would change if our hearts opened up to say, God, are you asking me to carry the gospel, to, to share the truth of who you are, to share the story of what you've done in my life, to share an encouraging word, a kind a kind action to them, to let an extension of the gospel come through me to them? How, how would your life look differently? The gospel is taught as disciple through invested relationship through time and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we have to look, love, listen for those who have not experienced the message of the gospel. We have to wake up to the truth that we are part of a fellowship that is made up worldwide. Where there are churches that are happening in parts of the earth that are persecuted there are our brothers and our sisters, and we have to pray for them. Our hearts have to break with them. We have to look within our own nation and say, God, are you doing something? Can we see differently than just what the culture and the tide of our nation is pushing us toward? But can we see people the way you do and love them and go to them if you're asking? Hmm. Go into all the nations. All right, Justin, come on up, man. Please. We're going to wrap this up. Hmm. I'm going to close with this, this next statement that Jesus makes. And this is the third thing. We'll pick up on the rest of this next week. A healthy church... Lives the truth of being a new creation. They live the truth of being a new creation. He goes on and says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus brings in Matthew 28 our attention and our thoughts under the the power and the authority of the triune Godhead. He pulls out the truth of, of who God is, the fullness of who God is, and the significance of all of this, working together as one. And each one of these things, as we come into the unity with who Jesus is, and this is, a, this is actually a really kind of a deeper theological thought for us to think about that I want to challenge you and encourage you to think about when we think about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as one, working in unity and the reason why we come in the unity of God. And we acknowledge the work of the three in our life. It's very important. Because they each say something different to us. They do something different in our life. The Son brings us into grace. Grace. The work of the cross brings us into grace, what we talked about. And we need the abundance of grace, the revelation of grace. In order to be a new creation, you have to live in the revelation of grace every day. It can't be something you just sing about on Sundays. It cannot be something that you understand in the back of your head. But you have to live in the revelation of the grace of Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says this, My dear children, I write this to you, to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. When we remind ourselves of the work of the cross, when we come around the table, when we celebrate communion... This brings our attention back under the work of grace that we have to to live in. That we have to have as a revelation inside of us. That we have to carry. That it has to guide us. That the past. The things that have hindered us. They are not the things that define us. They are not the the definition of our future. That the sin. That maybe you were trapped in is not what is going to be the thing that will trap you for your life. That when you come under the work of grace through the blood of Jesus, that those things can be broken. That hope can arise. That new life can come. That there is a better tomorrow. That there is hope. And friends, the truth of this is that as we get this, and some of you might say, Pastor, listen, I live in this grace. I understand this grace. I get it. But the purpose of grace is this, is not just so that you get it and you live in it, but it's also that you would give it, that you would begin to give it. Because when grace overwhelms your life, when you see people, you don't see them through the lens of their failures and their mistakes, but you see them through the lens of the love of Jesus. And I want to tell you that that is a powerful, powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. The Father brings us into identity. One of my favorite passages in Romans 8, 14 through 16. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brings about your adoption." into sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's the heart of the Father. Listen, and what Jesus is saying again in Matthew 28 here is bringing us into this picture of what it means and how we become a new creation. It begins with the grace of Jesus, but it comes into the identity that the Father gives us. And every one of us has to have our identity reformed through the lens of the spirit of adoption that the Father gives us. You have to understand that you're not just love, but you're called. That you're called with a purpose. You have to understand that you are called with a hope. That again, whatever framed your yesterday, if your yesterday was bringing you down, is not what your tomorrow says about you. And part of being brought into that sonship is this. That's so important, and this is the significance of the identity that the Father gives, is that it breaks the hold of fear in our life. It's important to know that you're loved. It's important to know that you have a future, but you won't begin to live in the knowledge of love and the knowledge of your future if fear grips your heart. If my children were afraid of me, when it came time to give them my inheritance, my millions, my millions and millions. Uh, okay. I could win the lotto. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Here's the thing if they were afraid of me, they might not take that. They might be afraid. But here's the thing that the Father wants you to know is this, is that when you come into the spirit of adoption, when you come into the identity that he has for you, that he breaks the spirit of fear. And I believe this with all my heart. Some of you today still struggle in this place of fear. And and it is messing up the way that you understand the identity that the Father has given you. And Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to break that fear. He wants to break that fear. Oh, he wants to break that fear. Because you haven't been brought into adoption, into sonship, to become slaves again where fear abounds. You weren't called to be a slave to God. You were called to be a son, a daughter of God. And that identity that's formed in you breaks the spirit of fear. And when the spirit of fear is broken, you can begin to walk in the hope of the calling of God. You can begin to do the things that God has called you to do. See, what I want for my kids is this, is is not for them just to be resourced financially, but them to know that they have an advocate. I sent my girls a text. I think I did. I meant to. Just say I did, all right? <laughs> Whoops! I tell them, "Listen, you can do whatever you want to do." Oh, hold on, man! I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little preachy for just a second. What time I got? Sorry. All right. Listen. Okay, Luby's opens at twelve thirty. All right. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Mm-mm. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that we live in a world. And the pattern of this world, this is the system that the enemy, that sin brought in, that the enemy has tried to circulate and cause to, to like, like a river flows, has tried to get the river of this world flowing this direction. And when you get into the world, this is what happens, is you get swept up. You're just on the thing. You're going, oh, my life. Oh. You feel like you're on a whitewater raft there. And then God pulls you out and he puts you in a quiet stream. And he begins to send you in the direction of your future. But you are still afraid that there is going to be white water that is going to be coming. Now, here's the thing with my kids, with my girls. I look at them and I say, listen, you can be, you can do, you can accomplish anything that you want to do. And I say that like a growly dad, like, "Yeah." Because I want them to know that I am going to be the loudest advocate in their life. That if there is an adversary or an enemy that comes up, that they're not hitting them first. They're hitting me first. I know Kung Fu. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know people that know Kung Fu. (laughs) All right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the same way. In the same way. This is what God does for us. And this is how fear is broken. Is that he works. In our behalf. That he comes. And he destroys fear. So that we can do what he has called us to do. And this is what makes. The adoption of what. The Father gives us so powerful. And then finally, the work of the Holy Spirit brings us into the resurrection power. And Acts 1:8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the earth. Here's where I want you to see, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring us into the revelation power of the resurrection. That we would live in that power. And as we put these three things together, the grace of Jesus, the identity of the father, being brought in as sons and daughters, the power of the resurrection that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention. What happens is this. Is that we become a new creation. We become a new creation. We become a new creation. And these are just three of the things that Jesus talked about in the in the Great Commission. You may have never thought about the Great Commission like this before. Is that a healthy church, healthy believer lives in the power of the resurrection. A healthy believer goes and looks, carries that gospel message. A healthy church, healthy believers live as new creation. Let's pray. Oh, Father, this morning, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the truth of what you're saying to us. I pray that you would speak, speak to each one of us this morning. Listen, I want to pray for some of you. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to pray for those who are are struggling in that place really specifically of the identity that God has given them, that the father has given them, that you need Maybe for fear to be broken in your life. So that you can know the hope to which you are called. That you can begin to walk in that. Some of you, last week, you received a prophetic word. that, um, And and what that is, what we believe that is, is this. Is that the Holy Spirit was speaking. And confirming the things that God is saying. And I want to tell you that. I, I was... For a a group of the people that were up here, I came and prayed behind them and I, I listened to how God used Pastor Ronald and he didn't know you guys from Adam and a lot of what he was saying was point on. But the key, the key with that is this is what we what we do with it, how we how we invite the Holy Spirit to move us into that word. And some of you, you don't, you know, maybe you haven't received a prophetic word, but you know what God is calling you to do. You know that he's asking you to do something and to move you, to take a step, to begin to maybe embrace and carry the gospel to somebody or some place. And what that looks like, you know that God is moving you. But what's interrupting that is not the, the truth that you're called, but it's a fear and this is where the spirit of adoption is so important that we would know the, the love and the identity of the Father that drives out fear, that drives out fear. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to posture. You can raise your hand. You can, you can just, I don't care what you do. Yep. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. That Father, as you are releasing, as you are releasing, God, in the name of Jesus, as you are releasing and releasing hope and calling, as you are releasing hope and calling in future, in the name of Jesus, that you would begin to destroy fear that they are not in the river that rages, but they are in the calm stream that you have called them to. That, God, there would there be a release of your love in such a way that would bring them peace, the understanding that you are the one that surrounds them, that has called them, that will resource them, that will bring them into what you have spoken. And I thank you for courage. I thank you for joy. I thank you for life to take a step toward what you have called them to. Thank you for that, Lord. Now do it. Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. Tell us the step to take. We'll do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh. I want to encourage you this morning, if you need prayer for something and then you need somebody to come in agreement with you, um, I'll be up here to pray. And if anybody else wants to come up and pray from the team, that's fine. But don't leave this morning if you need prayer. Maybe it's something that is standing in your way. I know for me, and again, I I know, listen, we're, we're itching to get out of here, but this is more important. Is that there was a time, and not too long ago, I've I've told this story, but there was a time where my physical flesh, the enemy used that to combat the calling of God in my life. Oh, and friends, I had to wrestle with that. I had to wrestle with that. And I want to tell you this, that there had to be times... Specific times where I had to look at somebody else and say, help me, pray for me. Put your hands on me. There were times, I mean, there were times at prayer, my buddy Joseph would just walk up on me and put his hand on my kidney and command life over my kidney. There's times in Romania, I told you guys, somebody prayed for me. There are times that I've called people, and listen, this is the point, is that if it's, if it's something like that, then don't, then don't leave, because if you just carry that home without dealing with that, what's going to take place is that you're going to get back into the river of fear. So if you need prayer, when this is all done, then, then come this way, not that way. Hey, but if you go that way, I still love you. All right, Father, I bless these people, Lord, with your joy, with your grace, with your goodness, with your healing, with your life. You are the resurrection and the life. All authority has been given to you, Christ Jesus, in heaven and earth. We love you, Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. If not, we love you. We'll see you on Wednesday or Sunday.